for listening to the podcast Between the Limitless. This is Jason Halsey. This week you're hearing myself uh, talking to four other guys at the Guy Dance, the weekly men's affinity group, which uh, pretty much every week on Tuesday around noon Eastern Time, which is 6 p.m. in the UK, 7 p.m. here in Galicia. And uh, I'm sharing this one, the spirit of the new orientation of the Limitless towards providing a space for women's voices. There are no women here, but they are the subject of this podcast. Traditionally, I learned that um, man has seen a woman as his property and uh, been wanting to control a woman, especially woman's sexuality. So maybe it's something that's going <clears throat> down down the history to me. But yeah, I'm just thinking that if, if you have this... Um, uh, experiences that you feel like okay now it's good good time for me I, I would like to have have this uh, intercourse have sex with my woman but for some reason they say no I can't I, I, and uh, I don't just I, don't, I just don't feel like if it's health issue it's of course it's easier to accept but if, if it's something like I just don't feel like the energy is not right so how how would you react? Like, how would you feel about it? And how how would you get over with it? Um, and, and and not to carry anything <laughs> because of that, and just just like I see that it's it's totally natural. That um, well, woman especially because she's taking in energies more than a man. It's 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 a big thing. For her, I think and it's 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 more like more 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 requires opening up, and and of course she needs somebody to be in that space afterwards for a sufficient time. But uh, yeah, I I, <laughs> I I just I just went to nature and uh, well, try to really get into like why am I so upset why why do i feel rejected uh, why do i feel something like uh, that i'm not uh enough or i'm, I'm not worthy and uh, where, where where all this comes from because uh, there's really nothing in the relationship that would uh, indicate that there's something wrong in me like uh, actually it's it's very happy happy relationship very there's very good communication in the relationship like anything happens Either one gets triggered, we get things settled very easily, usually the next day, just by talking and just by processing on our own. And so it's very healthy and good relationship, I think. But still, I found this this one trigger. And Ch Jason said it's maybe 
has to do something with blood about this toxic part of the blood or this blood that is programmed uh, some ancestral programming that's still going on that, that for some reason it's it's threatening to male identity to not, not to get sexual needs fulfilled <clears throat> or something where, where 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 could it come from and uh, what to do with it? Is, is it a problem to any one of you? If <laughs> do I, any of you have experienced rejection, and uh, yeah, I'm married, Seba, so that could be a bit of a <laughs> happens all the time. Uh, no, I think um, it's an interesting question. Uh, there's so many possible reasons your reaction could be uh, I think I think re rejection was an interesting word that you used um, because even given a, a reason of time like sometimes just spontaneous you know quick in the moment if it feels right if there's no time that's okay as well Certainly that's, um, that could be, yeah. I think for me personally, I've never had, I've, I think what, what I was thinking back to myself when I was younger and, you know, when you're a teenager and you're looking to get your rocks off, um, rejection is very much part of the, I don't know, the game when you're, when you're, you know, in that space. Um, and there may have been an energetic component behind that. Like I think when you're young, even young girls sort of know it's a bit of a, uh, I don't know, maybe there was a bit of a, a lack of, in those days anyway, a lack of understanding about the energetics of it. And that's not the case for you now, obviously, if you guys are tuned in. Um, but for me personally, what came to mind was not so much a right, but um, probably a dynamic of one partner being ready and the, not, the other partner not being ready and just like a level of frustration um, that comes with uh, that came with that, like an expectation, sometimes expectations around it. Um, it's less of an issue now, as I said, I've been married for quite a while now. So it's, we tend to sort of just know when the time's right. Well, I just actually, I, I, I spoke, I spoke with my girlfriend uh, before this event. Now we had Zoom. And that was very, <clears throat> very warm and nice. And, and there was, a, <clears throat> even if it's a Zoom call, though it wasn't really anything sexual, but I could feel, feel this energy flowing between us and, and feeling this good connection. And uh, 
maybe that's that's where i should focus like not to have expectations which which could lead to frustration not to have this agenda that something has to happen but really just tune into the energy and let the energy guide like dave said that just just ask universe what does it want to happen and the universe's will is going to happen not my will and because i feel that uh, <clears throat> that I have, I have found this, I have met this woman, I, I'm together with her. That's, that's by the grace of existence. <clears throat> so, so there was, there was something, something that needed to still come out of me triggering. This is so, so many things have been triggered and then untriggered because, uh, the things didn't go the same way. Like I got this trigger, something happened in the past with my partner that was uncomfortable. I didn't want it to happen again. So I built a trigger to warn myself. And, uh, but <laughs> when, when the things don't go like they used to, like, and actually the outcome is totally different and it's much better than, than the trigger just wears off. Well, that's my end. So I don't know if that's some sort of a, <laughs> a sequence of pattern that happens in the relationship that uh, things need to get triggered so they can be untriggered and cleaned away and uh, never to bother us again. Well, that was just an idea because uh, if, if, if you've been like uh, years in in relationship, maybe you know, re remember how how it was in the beginning. Yeah, I can't I can't quite grasp what what it is at the moment, but it's it somehow it's connected connects with all kinds of things really connects all kinds of things, and I don't know if it's been triggered by the what Dave's been doing or by the energy because I know when I was doing the energy work last week on Saturday that I had a strong feeling of my own sexual energy and how my sexual energy wanted to go out. And that was, that was kind of the feeling of when I was kind of reacquainting myself with my legs and I was feeling like that was, that was really the thing that was as when, when we were just going on and on doing this, the, the golden bar exercise and, that was really what that was really kind of the point of uh, where I was having release. Yeah, so there's so much to it. There's so much to learn. Really. Uh, yeah. I got the sense of this deepness or this deep, deeper, this is deeper vision or deeper sense of experiencing things. <clears throat> and um, yeah, so, so, so somehow I got this um, feeling of sinking deeper into myself also and uh, just just witnessing myself moving through the existence wherever i am picking up things with my senses 
and, and feeling it all over my body, like what's happening. So that that that, that has <clears throat> become stronger experience for me now when I'm alone in the nature. I I got I get kicked out of that pretty easily when people come in still <laughs> more boundary exercises <clears throat> but, but but yeah but uh, alone it's uh, yeah well i'm i'm so lucky to have this beautiful forest and lake very very close i can visit almost every day and uh, even the times when there's not much traffic most people just walking and i don't have to so i could be there in the sunshine and in in the just listening to birds and now when the lake is open i can go to swim i've been swimming four days in the row today it was so cold the wind was so cold i just couldn't but still also this like it, it feels so good to like what Dave was saying, that you can train your nervous system to like cold, or, or, or to just just react differently in different things. And yesterday I was there, um, uh, water up to my knees. I was just I was just standing there, and it's it's about maybe two or four degrees Celsius, and just there's still some ice somewhere in the lake <laughs> on the shore, and. Um, but that that was that was totally like um, pleasurable to be there. I could just breathe in and forget everything my mind was telling me about cold water and uh, how it can be dangerous or something. Like I, I could just be there and uh, be in my legs, and uh, I, I, I felt like totally dissolving. And then when I opened up my eyes, there was this small like a creature small mammal furry furry creature that was swimming in the water and it, it was totally undisturbed by me it was there maybe half a meter away just doing its thing looking for food and but that, <laughs> that was also a beautiful experience that did this this animal showed itself to me and was wasn't in any way scared. I was I wasn't gi giving out any signals of threat. Sever, I was going to, I was thinking back to um, early in the relationship with my wife and um, when we when we first got together, there was, and I think, I don't know whether this is true of every relationship, so, but there's an intensity with that first phase where um, there's this like really strong desire and attraction and it's all you think about and you, you know, you this whole, you know, in love phase, if you want to call it that. 
and it's really intense like it's and i think as we sort of as we sort of continued in the relationship i mean the intensity has to, it just has to sort of change in a way um it doesn't have to maybe maybe it just does um and when the intensity changes it, it's like um the best experience or sorry the best way i could think of it was after that initial the initial high you then when you're apart and you come back together or if you just the the energy sort of sink like lowers a bit you you try and find those um highs again um and that's where there's sort of you know the dates and the romance and the, this and the all that kind of stuff uh and i think if there isn't if there isn't the energetic understanding it it can be about that sort of uh so what I'm looking for there is there's that it's looking for those external or you're trying to recapture that or rekindle that desire and that what you think is love or what you think is um like that, that high sexual energy is is love uh but the longer into the relationship you go uh it changes and kids are a part of that obviously um See, so, yeah, I was I was just thinking through the energetics of it, and there's definitely a there was a definitely a phase in our relationship, and we were living sort of separately at the time and quite far apart. And I remember at one point I did the same thing, went round to see my wife, and and she just went not not tonight. And I remember being frustrated about it because it was like, well, hang on, this is you know, aren't we? Because it was almost expected, and I was still in that sort of uh in that sort of looking to you know you sort of go well, every time you see each other you expect it to happen and i think that was almost the starting point of okay this is now a different thing it was like we we've we've come out of that initial phase and we're now at a phase where you have to be more sensitive to the energy and who's up and down and who's ready or not um I think now there is more of an understanding energetically um for us we just we just seem to know now when it's when it's time or when it's um and and there's different um I don't know that I feel there's like a different like as as a relationship matures it it becomes less about those sort of things and you, you it's the quality it's the quality of the interaction and the depth of it and um even just not even in a sexual way just in a in a daily living like how connected you are how how sensitive you are to each other and um
understanding um, the reflections, uh, uh, how how um, how your partner mirrors some of the things. So there'll be, I mean, there's always things that trigger you. Uh, so it, it gives you a real opportunity, like the length of the relationship gives you that opportunity to explore that. So little habits that might have been overlooked in the first intense phase reveal themselves after that. And, and that's where it becomes interesting. If that's where I think it really does show you where your, um, where your personal issues are. Not so much, oh, my wife annoys me because she, you know, does this or the other. It's it's more that, why am I reacting to it? So there's a there's an opportunity in that in that phase. Something that occurred to me when. Uh after Martin spoke and when Sebo responded, Martin was speaking about inner vision, inner senses and going deeper. And then Seba started talking about nature and going to nature, how Seba goes to nature for certain things and how important that is for him. And the correlation occurred to me right away between nature and a woman's body why do we go to a woman's body and that does it have to do with wanting to connect to nature and is that what a woman needs from us is for us not to go to her for that for us to already be connected to nature within ourselves because if we're going to her to feel connected to nature <clears throat> well <laughs> that's a kind of dependency and it's 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 actually it's very close to what a child a child's relationship to its mother goes to the mother's body to feel connected and to feel safe for the breast I mean, why do we have breast fixation we don't even ask these questions like dave is saying recently we don't even ask questions about our sexuality why do we like tits what is that i mean Okay, they're a little bit erogenous. So women, some women do like having their breast fondled, but some don't. And I was never breastfed, so you know, I don't want to go <clears throat> all Freudian because it's such an easy route to go. And there are definitely flaws with it, but <clears throat> there's a number of things going on for me now. It might even be related to my being ill, but these dreams I had last night, and this, the part that I really remember was that I... I discovered last night, it seems to me, or I remembered that I deeply resented my stepfather because he was taking my mother away from me and that I wanted, I was competing with him at some level to be my mother's partner. It's so weird. I mean, it's classically Oedipal and it's weird timing because I was just listening to Steiner rejecting all that, Rudolf Steiner saying it's all bullshit, Freud got it all wrong. And he was quite angry about it. And it I did think, oh, that's a blind spot of Rudolf's part because of the way he was so resistant to it. But that was, I don't know if it somehow provoked the dream or it was clearly related, but the dream 
was viscerally very, very real. Like I felt I was rediscovering feelings of myself that I didn't know I'd had. It didn't feel like something I was just making up because I read too much Freud at all. Um, and at the end of the dream, I, I was holding my mother's hand and we were escaping together into this novel, into a romance novel, kind of literally some weird way and it wasn't like she did literally read romance novels like my mother my uh, like my wife's mother did <laughs> classic um but she did she was she loved romance keats and audrey hepburn and she was very very romantic person uh and i've definitely i've known since i met my wife and she helped me to see there was an emotional incest between my mother and i but even so, this is the first time I've, I've really accessed it in a dream. I and mean, maybe I've dreamt about having sex with my mother, but that was always, it was kind of disturbing and horrific. This dream was, I just, I felt like I was in love with her. And I was, you know, jealous of anyone else. And anyway, so that's not a small thing to become conscious of in one's psyche. And in terms of original triggers, why we would feel so threatened by being denied access to our mother's body. I mean, our wife's our partner's body, that, that probably does go back to primal rejection by the mother, which could have to do with the father. It could be other things. My mother also went to alcohol. Um, but yeah, that I certainly didn't have a loving, nurturing, sustained connection to my mother. And so I didn't develop a, a sustained connection to my own body and to nature. So if I'm trying to get that somehow, and then and then I I unconsciously use a woman to get it, and it's all mixed up in my disconnect from nature, from my mother issues. What a I mean, like Martin said, it's so complicated, <clears throat> but it's also primal. It's also in a certain sense, it's quite simple, quite simple. And but it's I think it's what Dave's been touching on because he's a couple of weeks running now, he's gone to sex and the the cup has to be emptied. That if I bring any of that stuff um, to, the, to the sexual dynamic, then it's not going to happen. The thing that, that really needs to happen is not going to happen. It prevents it. You know, even if there's a little bit left in my cup of mother stuff or all the stuff I've been talking about, the neurotic stuff, then the, the real, the, the deepest potential that I think Martin was touching on as well, what, what his partner wants from him is, is this inner sense, innocence. The inner sense of being, being a natural man. It's also something Dave's mentioned, a natural human. Um, so I'm, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because it happens, this happens often I find with Dave, he starts talking about something that I'm just discovering. So it was the same with nature. I was just got here to go see and was really starting to discover nature. And he started talking more and more about walking in nature, being in nature, although he's always talked about it. And now it's with sex because although I've known theoretically that I don't understand sex probably since I was 20 or even younger, uh, it didn't stop me from trying to get my rocks off. It hasn't stopped me into my 40s. I just want it like 
Sabbath said in his email, don't think he might mind me saying it, but I like sex and I just want as much of it as I can get. Of course I felt like that. I mean, which guy doesn't feel like it, that? At least for a large portion of his life, most guys feel like that till they're 80 and they're gobbling Viagra, if they can find somebody to use it on. It's, you know, it's, 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 it's grisly. And um, so, so yeah, so even though theoretically I knew that sex was for much more than procreation, well, much more than my own pleasure, but even more than for procreation, that there was something more to it even than procreation, it didn't stop me because the hormones are so strong and the, you know, the, the psychological imprinting of childhood is so strong. But in the last couple of year or so, um, I've just had to let it go because I, it's so viscerally apparent to me that I don't know what sex is or what it's for, that I don't want, to, I, I almost don't want to do it. It's almost like that. So as Hugo was saying, it's, it's not, it's much more subtle, but also it's much, it's much more a whole thing if I can't, it's more important that I can give all of me to my wife, like everything except the sex before the sex, as opposed to thinking, well, if I can give her the sex, then it doesn't really matter if I can't give her the other stuff. And that's not how women are. They're the opposite. They'd rather have everything else and not the sex. Seems to me. So yeah, it's, it's a huge, been a huge journey for me. I feel I feel quite uh, emotionally moved by the, what I'm saying because I just never thought I'd get to this point. I don't know what's next. I mean, the fourth thing I didn't mention was that I've noticed that I'm consciously holding a space for women now, and I'm. I'm wanting to give the power to the women. Uh, so, I mean, there's, you'll see on the next podcast, I did it with Susie and Eileen, but I think, oh, well, the last podcast I do, there's only a few more I want to just do with women and pass on the authority to the women. Now, it's not something I ever thought I'd say because I'm not feminist. I'm not into any of this, you know, liberal progressive stuff or new age divine feminine stuff. I'm not because I think it's been a, a social propaganda campaign, but uh, there's there's some basic truth there for me now. It's just hand over, hand over the the power, the the, the choice to to the wisdom, the, the feminine wisdom to nature. So, and I suspect that if we can do that, which would mean maybe never having sex again, potentially, but it would be worth it. And then if there was sex there that the woman was, Dave's often referring to the woman being on top. He often throws that in there when he's talking about it. Uh, then the sex would be just something, something that we have never imagined were possible. And done everything we could to prevent it happening. Because it would, it would, well, I dot, 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 right? <laughs>
don't know because I can't testify to it. I just intuitively sense that women have a wild sexual passion that would consume ours completely if, if we were really able to hold a space for it. Gave me a lot of clarity you were sharing. And <clears throat> first of all, this to be as natural as possible. And uh, like they said, most of the stuff I, I'm, I'm probably thinking about sex, so I've been picking up there. They have not come from me originally, they have come from somewhere else. Probably didn't see things <clears throat> in, a, in a very bright. Yeah, well, <clears throat> they are limited, limited belives, probably, and, and, and ideas that 
I should not follow and wish I could just uh, clean myself of anything I've ever read or anything heard or uh, anything I ever seen on screen. I could just <laughs> clear all that stuff out and uh, just just be there naked in the front of naked woman and just let the nature inside me guide me and uh, yeah and then to <laughs> to meet meet this inner nature of a woman they say in the womb is the birth place of life the human life so that's a very special place you guys try to reach out for Hmm, and uh, I also I I I feel kind of the same way that I I can't be indifferent about sex. Either I'm for it, or then if I feel like there's no no it, I'm I'm kind of against it or withdrawing. But I just I I, I find it it's not it's not easy for me to just be well whatever. So. <laughs> so. But but there's uh, like I said before, like 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 when my woman was having these health issues, she couldn't have sex, and uh, although she wanted, she she said every time, oh, I want so much to have it with you, but uh, I still feel like it's it hurts or it's it's, it's uncomfortable, and that now for some reason it's it's not that way anymore. So <laughs> so maybe that was also that then okay now you don't have the health issue. But you have time issue, or you have this psychological issue that you can have sex with me. Ah, oh, but 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 since then we have we have it two times and uh, in the weekend, and it's uh, absolutely amazing. Like how it's like every time I feel it, her stronger. I feel it's more intimate. I feel like more more dissolving. I'm really that her energy is feeling feeling all my sensations like and that i just can't I just i don't even think about anybody else nobody even comes to my mind like before there has been all kind of things going to my mind uh even during sex but now i'm like can be more focused and in the moment and uh, not to be distracted by anything going in my mind so easily and so that that's a that's very oh, refreshing journey or something that with open end <laughs> and with, with with that kind of partner that um we can work together we can really with communication with dedication and um to be open to each other and not that any of us have any position to know better than it's. Yeah, but this is something really, really that I haven't had in my life before. Like, I, I can't remember any other relationship being anything like this that I'm having at the moment. So I'm just taking this time to be grateful again and again and always return to this being grateful 
And whenever I'm having these doubts, which are coming from insecurities or something that I feel I'm not enough or I'm not good enough as I am or whatever, I could just go back into this being grateful. And uh, the goodness comes again. The, 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 uh, it, it's like this tap of goodness gets opened again, or I, or, or I get somehow connected. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm always connected, but then I'm trying to, you know, somehow cut the connection. And no more goodness for me because I don't deserve it. For some reason, this is some inner mechanism that cuts me off, makes me cut, cuts off from this goodness and uh, it has to do about something in my mind that in my mind there's going on thoughts that take me away from reality and uh, yeah but this this uh, springtime I think it's it has become more easy for me to just not not to care about those thoughts to recognize what thoughts are life affirming and are there to guide me to do the writing and what thoughts are there to distract me and just not not to take too seriously those thoughts that are not not, not natural of natural origin of not they are not coming from god and soul and, and the highest parts of existence Yeah, <laughs> it's it's very it's very good this summer, but I think it's also because of the situation, the COVID, and you know, like Dave said, we're running out of time. We have always been against the clock, but now it's more obvious than ever that things may never return to where they were, and we just don't know <laughs> what's ahead of us. And the future of humanity looks more bleak than ever. But my own life looks brighter than ever. It's, uh, <laughs> my personal life and where I'm going to and uh, how everything I've been struggling in my life is just dissolving. Like really, really big, big blocks, big, big issues have been coming back to torment me again and again like they just seem to dissolve and melt away by some grace I think that's the work of God it's not work of me it's not work of Dave it's the, just maybe me being more able to let go and surrender to the process and not to have my will anymore in those situations. And I think the energy work, what we'll be doing together and the two, two live classes and the replays we'll be doing that, that has been also very helpful to support. Like when we do it on Saturday, 
were so clear to receive on Sunday. <laughs> That's how I felt. Like it was super strong experience last Sunday. Like I, I got home. Well, I could. <laughs> I was driving car. I was. I was visiting Julia, and uh, I left when the classes started. And I was driving home. And I couldn't even almost keep my eyes open <laughs> and it, it wasn't that late and when i got home i was just lying on the sofa i just i couldn't even turn the camera on i was just there and yeah <laughs> that kind of experience this time Also Sunday, there was this how to help each other just by relaxing our nervous system that I've been focusing on now when I get near to people and I feel this, that my nervous system gets agitated. Just some, some kind of turmoil, inner turmoil. But I can return to breath. I can return to this breadth of existence and uh, to be calm in my nervous system and have the effect, have the change happening in my, in my environment in that way. Yeah, one more, this meeting on an inner plane, like this. Now they have been speaking about many of the inner experiences I've been having, but not, not finding names or even knowing that they are real. And uh, yeah. <laughs> also feel this like to have mind to mind connection. It's it's kind of like what, what could be called as telepathy. But the, the mind cannot be guarded. There, there can be anything in the mind that cannot be seen by other, although there can be the connection. If there's anything I need to hide from anybody else, I cannot have my mind connected straight to them. So it's it's comes to these three principles, this be open, honest, and vulnerable, but <laughs> they, they, they are, uh, there's so much more meaning to those words now. It seems like before I always had something I couldn't show to others. I had to hide from others uh, because I was ashamed of having 
this kind of things happening in my life or this kind of thoughts in my head. And that's what they've been also talking about the shaming, that the shame, shame kind of paralyzes. And, uh, but the, the good thing was that the, there's no need to feel guilty, that the guilt, nature doesn't have this guilt. It doesn't have the concept of guilt. So it's, it's totally human invention that people should feel guilty. And of course, that was, that's, uh, that's been imposed to children. But okay, you did something naughty. Now feel guilty about it for, for a period of time. That's your punishment uh, and something else. But, that, but that's unnatural. So I mean, also training to do that. I do something that I you know maybe that's not right, but uh, not to feel guilty about it. And um, I realized I don't need to. Just, just okay. then I, I don't want to do it. But it's natural. I just don't feel the pull to do something like that. There's no need to be guilty. I think the guilt keeps keeps you in that thing you needed to drop. Notice that shame is one of the subjects for the for the next Sunday event. And it came up last Sunday and it also came up on my Saturday event as I put in the email. Um, and David also mentioned anger. I think he only mentioned it the one time, but he mentioned that he was picking up on quite a lot of anger a couple of weeks ago. And um, I've been forced to see how angry I am recently. Uh, well, as recently as yesterday, in fact. Um, and I mean, I don't know how much detail to go into, really. I mean, it's just we all have these. I, I'm assuming we all have these experiences, these kind of experiences. But I do, I do wonder if I'm <laughs> the angriest man on the planet or something sometimes. But but who would guess it, right? I mean, this is kind of part of the. Well, some people would guess it if they're sensitive, they would tune in. But um, as a part of what's what I'm observing is, is that I'm less and less angry in my interactions, okay? So I'm not actually physically interacting with many people now, but I used to get triggered into anger online all the time. Anyone who's followed my blog for a while knows that. I was always getting into flame wars with people, or mini ones. So I think I can still say that I'm getting triggered into anger much less in my human interactions. And I wonder if somehow it's being funneled into like a sort of safe space, which is when I'm alone, because because I've oh gosh, some I'm having the experience of being overwhelmed by anger. So yesterday I got lost. It's a combination of things, but I went looking for, for two properties or look to go and look at two properties which are quite far away because I've got. Well, I just can't find anywhere. So I thought, well, I better look further afield. 
So these two were, were pretty far away, they're kind of in the same direction, but still it was three hours driving in total on motorways. So the whole thing was much more of an operation and not actually allowed legally to travel in essentially. Uh, I have a tendency to speed, so I have to keep my eye out for Guardia Seville and I did, did see a couple and both times I was really relieved that I was not doing anything to have attracted their attention. So, and I didn't have any accidents, you know, nothing bad happened really, but I got seriously lost due to bad planning. And it went on for about an hour. I just could not find the right turn off. And by the end of that hour, the rage that I was being consumed by was, was just crazy. Um, and when, it, when I get angry when I'm alone, I'm aware that I'm, I am being observed. Kind of what Seba was touching on, maybe with the mind, that you can't have anything to hide, but not exactly. But whatever we do, it doesn't matter if we're alone. We're, we're being seen. We're affecting, I, I mean, never mind the angels and the archangels. We all feel it in the human energy field. And we're account. I know I'm accountable for my rage just because I didn't take it out on anyone. And not even objects. I didn't even smash any objects. I was driving. I couldn't. I couldn't hit anything even. But the the yelling, and the and the things I would say, you know, like cursing God almost kind of thing, or maybe literally. And I wonder what it does to my own nervous system. That's that's where the real toll must be. And anyway, I felt that after yesterday, I felt that. So I was saying, you know, time's running out, that God, I just have to, I have to let go. I have to let go because this anger is so destructive. And if it came out, because it could, it could have got me fined. It could have got me stopped by the Guardia Civil. I tend to drive faster when I'm angry. And I definitely do if I'm late. You know, I'm angry because I'm late. I drive fast. I could have at the very least got stopped and fined, but that could snowball. I could end up you know, in, in the Spanish equivalent of Guantanamo Bay, the way things are going, can't afford to be giving in to anger like this. Um, and, and then again, my nervous system and, and the whole energy field to be feeding that, that energy in the world. And I think it's related, you know, I just, I brought it out, even though it seems like a big change of subject, well, two things occurred to me. One's more intellectual, and that's the Mars energy, sex energy is also anger. So it's it's similar, if not the same energy, the male sexuality really is, is a masculine thing. Uh, and anger, kind of the same raw energy there, potentially. I mean, archetypally, but I think psychologically and even physically. There's truth in that. And the other one is less analytical is that the more the more I do see that that I need to surrender to life, the angrier the part of me gets that that is refusing to surrender. And my anger is my refusal. Um, you know, that's my last defense. And that's why. Well, that's related to how angry I would get with my partner when she wouldn't 
she would say it wasn't the right time or she didn't feel like it and so on. And I knew really that she was more in tune than I was. So I really, if I was, a, 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 you know, a natural, honest, vulnerable, open husband, I would, I would surrender to her decree. But <laughs> it's one thing to know it mentally. It's another thing to let go emotionally. Um, so yeah, I reached a point with my my partner <laughs> where I, I was on my knees with my fists at the heaven saying, I can't take it anymore. Not like uh, Howard Beale in, in, in Network. It was more like Moses or something. I was, I was crying out to God. I was that was my surrender. I mean, with hindsight, that was my last cry of defeat to the heavens around my wife and the sex thing. Now I just need to do it around everything else, it seems. Uh, and that, that was definitely what drove the wedge between my wife and I was my anger because and and how um the, the her awareness that if she wasn't sexually available to me I, my anger would come out made her less and less sexually available to me not because she wanted me to be angry but because she was there was no relaxed nervous system she couldn't relax game over it literally was game over because I had to leave. Fortunately, it was, you know, there was a part two, but only after I went to Guatemala and moved to Finland and Estonia and did several day retreats. It was a massive uh, rescue mission project for the marriage. Massive. Sorry. Um, um, no, sorry. Uh, one of the things that came to me when you were talking, where everyone was talking, was the element of, um, first of all, Martin talking about energy work and and how that tapped into a, a personal into the into the energy and sexual energy. Uh, Jason talking about connecting to nature and the the female body. Um, and I was thinking about just my own experience with understanding that energy was a thing. Um, or that it was that it was there. Obviously, in, I think in childhood, and then it was forgotten when we some events sort of pushed us into our heads or whatever it might, might have been. But I was contemplating whether sex for a lot of people is the only way that they they can feel energy, and um, if you if you're not tuning in it's sort of or if your energy is that uh 
deadened or you're not sensitive to it, then you, you need those sort of peak experiences just to, even just to feel something. Um, so anyway, that was one thing that came to mind. The other thing too was uh, Jason's comment about Mars energy and sex and ang sexual energy and anger. And I was, it, it sort of almost looped back around to Seba's initial comment about the triggering and it, and I think both uh, it, it, the, the words that came to mind was unexpressed energy. And there's this building up. Um, and um, if, if you haven't, if there hasn't been a sexual release or if there hasn't been some sort of energetic release, it can matter. It, it's sort of like it manifests. Um, it can manifest in a way where it's smooth or it, it can just build up like a dam, just explode like a dam bursting. Um, and Anger is something that well, I was just—I was thinking back to when I was um, when I was younger. I used to be—I used to be a classic road rager. I was just thinking about when Jason was talking about driving. I was a huge—I um, was a huge road rager, and I remember driving this um, friend of my brother's one time back from work, back to our place. And he was just, he, to his credit, he just sat there and he just watched me and he goes, wow. Like he just, it was like a, a show for him. He was, and, and it was really interesting. It was like a really, um, it just, it actually cut really deeply for me. And I went, oh yeah, I really am angry when I'm driving. Like I just didn't realize. And it was almost like it was this thing, that, the, the fact that it was pointed out to me, that was enough for me to just start the process of, Okay, yeah, I am getting angry. Well, there's there's really no need. Like it's not like a battle, but it was almost like a, it was almost like a the driving equivalent of flaming people online. It was just basically searching people out, judging the way they were driving, getting frustrated about traffic. Um, I look back now, and I just go, I can't believe that it was even it was that bad. But <clears throat> I suppose that's just what it is. Um, but there's, um, with my, I'm, I'm always surprised by anger now when it, when it happens for me, it's, but I don't think it's, uh, I think it's when you, for me, it feels like once you realize what anger is as unexpressed, something that's unexpressed, um, something that, uh, and it, 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 the fact that it points to a, an expectation or something like that. It's it's when you see it as an opportunity for self-reflection, even though that can be difficult in the heat of the moment. Um, there's there is something uh, more to it. Um, 
So anyway, yeah, I just wanted to share that because it just it seems there were there were some common themes, certainly for me, in what you guys were saying. And um, I think the other thing too with with the when we were talking about getting into nature and sex, there's that there's that sort of loss of um, if you really go into the energy of it, then your 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 identity is not not present. It sort of moves away, and you're just really into the energy and how the energies are. Uh, moving together um, and I think that if we go into nature and if we truly I think Dave even mentioned this if we go into nature without our identities it's a different experience to going into nature with all your stuff I have this experience sometimes that uh, I don't have any idea what's going to happen. I don't have any idea in, in which part of the forest I should go and I just go there, senses open, and then, then I'm carried by the forest or the nature or something. Something just grabs my attention and, and I feel good to go go somewhere and then that's usually when I discover something truly 
like special and magnificent like some wild animals or rare flowers and plants and or find and find a good good supply of berries to eat and and uh, and, and, and some, something something happens that the, that is totally unexpected and uh, yeah but then, then I can go there just to do a busy in my mind, just having this conversation with someone or trying to, or, or just, just like having these thoughts of the past inside my mind or, or, or trying to process something. And then I can almost miss, miss out anything that's happening around me. I'm just blindly there and I can be two hours in the forest and then then realized, hey, I'd be my senses closed all the time. <laughs> so, so the nature is not surefire way to become natural very fast. I see a lot of people going there and they bring all kinds of distractions. They bring their cigarettes, they bring their well speakers and, and and seem to be talking like very worldly things all the time not, not, they don't seem to just be still and listen and just to receive but uh, I can imagine that's hard hard for people and maybe they need practice maybe if they come <laughs> enough time, spend enough hours in the forest, then I have this trust that the nature will teach them also to be natural. Like I've received so much from the nature, so many insights, so much wisdom, and nature has cleared so many issues I've been going through. <clears throat> feel like one of the things that can happen, I was just experiencing that myself, was that um, is that I can feel I can start to lose my Martinness, like the kind of tension in my face and a certain way of looking and a certain way of certain energy of responding to other people and I can start to feel like I'm losing that and that's connected with something that I felt when Hugo was talking when he was talking about losing something that we have as children because I, I had reconnected with the feeling of picking vegetables, fruit and vegetables on my mother's allotment when I was about four or something, three or four years old. And the experience of the, the fresh fruit and the, the soul, the soul experience of the fruit and the vegetables and the, the earth and so on. 
Um, and something that happens to us is that we get imprinted and then it's almost like our soul gets sold back to us. Um, we get sort of compressed and stamped on and then we get offered and I was just feeling this the other day when I was looking at mag these magazines that are in the shops with the glamorous people and I was feeling the sense of that I'm losing my desire for these things I'm losing my sense of oh I need to have I need to have these things I need to be a part of this thing, this culture. I need to be a part of it to have to get the thing that it's that it's selling to me. Because what it's trying to sell to me is my own soul experience. And that's to do with sex as well, that something about sex is to do with how the soul enters the body for the baby. How the baby's soul comes in and, and that that's also connected with this, I think something that very small children have is that they remember, they remember something about what happened before they became a baby. they have a memory of they have a memory of what happened before they were a person before they were a human being and they forget they've forgotten that by the time they're about sick but i think certainly by the time children go to school they they've forgotten they've forgotten that memory the soul the soul memory of what happened before they were in a body and i think something about that experience of the, this reconnecting with this experience of fruit, perceiving fruit as a little child, something about this experience of that is the soul, the soul experiencing fresh fruit and vegetables. And that's, that's also, I think this, this experience I'm having now about how I'm experiencing things differently, light and so on, is that some, some aspect, some aspect of my soul is, is experiencing these things again. Yeah, I was just wondering, because Dave said that something about how people do sex wrong. And I was just wondering about if there's some kind of more soul, soul, soul present sex or something which is not which is not so much about the difference between men and women but rather uh, maybe our or our origins
Have you eaten yet, Luke? Finished? I have, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, actually. I've been thinking a lot about food in general recently um, as an abstract thing, as something that we <clears throat> need to sort out our relationship to um, and how often we, we, we concentrate our attention in our culture on sorting out our relationship with sex and our sex life and, and getting that, that, that done and tying in with what Martin was just saying just now and what Jason was talking about earlier when I was here, um, it, that it strikes me that something so fundamental as our relationship with what we eat, um, and we need to get that kind of sorted and then we can kind of move on to, you know, sorting out our, our sexual lives. Um, which all of this is very much, you know, it's, it's really basic human stuff but you know the food we eat the, the water we drink the air that we breathe um clothes that we wear uh these are these are really really you know literally everyday stuff and you know sex is only every day during certain times of one's life uh for most people <laughs> um <clears throat> You know, in 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 terms of the, some of the stuff that that uh, you guys have been talking about, um, it's been really interesting for me. I, I don't feel like I have a lot to add. So I don't think uh, I have anywhere near as much experience uh, of relationships and things as 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 you guys. I think I'm the youngest one here, probably. Um, and you know, like I, I don't have kids, and I don't know what it's like to be a father, or or really to have a relationship longer than you know a year and a half or so. So um, I don't don't feel like I have a lot to contribute, but it's been really interesting to to add it into my general reflection of other things that I've been thinking about recently. Is the um, the the kind of gender work that I've been I've been doing I've been exploring um, what masculinity and femininity mean recently um, and exploring different approaches to that and um, and seeing where they you know seeing where they differ and where they converge and um, something that that has come up recently is observing the observing the outer masculine and feminine as being their relationship as being uh, reflecting of the inner the inner polarities the inner you know one's as a man for example one's uh, relationship with one's partner female partner uh, being at least to a large extent probably a, a reflection of the relationship we have with the inner inner feminine um and how that could be how that could be healed and how that could be uh, brought into a, a more holistic um 
processed interaction. Um, yeah, I'll leave it there for now. As Luke was saying, well, you know, sex isn't every day for anyone who's married or anyone who's single and about anyone else. Um, but sleeping together is if you're married and if you or if you just live with somebody, you spend this, you know, have separate bedrooms, I suppose. But um, and what happens when we sleep together? Just remind when Sebel was describing how how his deep psychosomatic connection to his son is how he experiences it there uh, when his son's falling asleep. And, um, how intimate it is, the act of sleeping together with a, with a partner and holding each other and rolling over and you know it's as anyone who's done it knows that the night can have many little minor incidents in terms of your coupling and then you're uncoupling and then you're recoupling this that something i said recently about my cat i can't remember which meeting it was on now but i think it was a wednesday one um about how it's it's helpful for me to see how I do. I am sensitive to energies, even if I, you know, it's reminds me of what Martin was just saying, how they sell us back the counterfeit, that all this new age stuff about feeling energies just made me think for decades, oh, I don't feel energies because I don't have any of that stuff that, you know, the psychics talk about. Um, but of course, we all feel energies. And anyway, with my relationship with, with Tuca, it's, it's so powerfully apparent to me that I know when he's about to move and, and when what I'm, my inner energies are affecting him. And there's that reciprocity where I can anticipate and relax a bit so that he doesn't get up or, or not relax so he does get up. You know, we, we communicate energetically. Um, so, so that's true, yeah, when we sleep together, and man and a woman sleep together, man and a child, or two people sleep together, it doesn't have to be sexual at all. Um, one's developing an uh, increased sensitivity to biorhythms and energetic signals. Uh, and that would be soul sex. I mean, what, what would soul sex be? Well, it wouldn't be body sex. I mean, the bodies might come along someday. They might. If a body and soul are in, in sync, then yeah, body and soul, well, well, that's something to live for or die for. But it seems to me what we've been touching on is, this, well, at a certain point, if the body sex is... Is just body, then if it carries on, it's for the detriment of both. The soul can't begin to lead, the energies can't begin to lead, it's what Dave says about energy work, then it's best not to do it at all, it's just mechanical. Uh, so Well, that's an optimistic point of view anyway for any married incels, which I, you know, the, the most 
most vocal member, although I don't feel that way anymore, as you probably picked out, but I mean that, uh, well, what I just said really, that two bodies can get more and more in tune at the subtler levels, that is a foundation for, well, I want to say a great sex life, because that's that cultural implant, but just for a great, uh, great intimacy, deepening levels of intimacy that they either preclude sex as in, well, who needs the sex when you have that much in intimacy or they usher in a whole um, different possibility for it. And, um, well, what I want to say on the, in that area, I don't know which it is, but But yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to sleeping with my wife. That's going to be very nice. But unfortunately, where I am now, there's only two single beds. So it'd be like a Hollywood movie. <laughs> I'll put them together, I guess. An old Hollywood movie, needless to say. Not uh, nine and a half weeks. Thanks for reminding that sleeping together, well, it's good if you have the same kind of sleeping habits. For me, uh, well, I usually, I need pitch black darkness to be able to sleep, no lights. And, and now my girlfriend, she, she needs to have a night light. She, she needs to have some light when she opens, if, if she wakes up in the middle of the night and opens her eyes, she's afraid if there's just darkness for some reason. So <laughs> uh, that and also uh, because where I'm not sleeping, there's, um, there's this ventilation Oh, there's a cold air coming outside on top of the window and she's feeling too cold. It's too cold place to sleep in if we're in my place. And also I usually wake up at least one time a night. I have to go to the bathroom. So, so my girlfriend, she's very easily distracted from her sleep and because of those reasons we've been sleeping in separate rooms and um, yeah but she, she's been communicating she's been saying that she wants to she, she really wants to sleep together in the same place and, and yeah Oh, so maybe now it's time. It's not the nights are not so cold anymore, and uh, I'm anyway. I've been sleeping my curtains open because now there's only moon and the stars showing at night. So actually, I, I, I I've been getting getting sleep better if there are stars and moon than there would be just curtains blocking it, and. Um, yeah, I just have to, when I wake up and go to the bathroom, I need to be very stealth, ninja-like.
So actually now I'm also looking for maybe, yeah. It's good to sleep together, really. Literally sleep together. There's something really special about feeling someone's energy next to your own while you're in in this all these in all these states between sleep and awakening it's something about the inner sense also on this maybe seeing it, another person with inner vision
you mentioning the um, getting you know more women onto the last few episodes of the liminalist and sort of kind of passing something over energetically um there's there's a certain uh parallel there because the last uh some of the last few pod podcasts i've done have been with female guests and there's um, this week is another conversation with a with a nhs worker um from london that i'm speaking to um and I've noticed that uh, the the most some of the most interesting commentary on today's situation with the Great Reset and the sort of technocratic takeover has come from female voices. And it, it's like you say, Jason. I I don't I don't get on with this sort of sort of New Age feminism, divine feminine. You know, oh, nasty men! Stop it! Stop abusing the. You know, I I don't really get on with that very well. In fact, the last partner I had, um, she's very into that sort of stuff, and it kind of did my head in a bit. Um, but uh, there's there's something there's some there's something there, as you say, there's something to it. You know, and it, it ties in with some of the things that you've you've written about with uh you know mother bonded psyches and this sort of desire to take revenge on the mother um and th those voices that that are really pertinent like Alison McDowell Tessa Lena um people like that uh Corey Morningstar to some extent although I find her writing a bit more difficult than those um you know they're not really coming from this sort of tub thumping in your face feminist angle it's just very it, it's that they embody this the real strength of the feminine which is not like the angry feminist who's trying to be strong in the the way that she thinks a man is strong so she's trying to reflect male energy back and to protect herself in that way it's actually you know standing with what what is really powerful about being a woman um and it also seems to me that there's a war on both masculinity and femininity as part of this general war on nature that war on god and war on everything this machine this machine demonic machine intelligence that is at work seems to want to undermine both um, either by blurring the boundaries of both you know swapping both around or you know mounting subtle attacks on different fronts against against both so that men and women end up thinking it's you know it's the feminist taking power away from us or it's the patriarchalist taking the power away from us and the reality is something else yeah it's it's surprising to me 
not sure. I mean, it's too soon for me to articulate, but it doesn't stop me trying. But how, because I've tried to articulate twice now recently on Saturday as well, this, this intuitive sense of wanting to give power back to the woman and even give my power to the women uh is so close to the counterfeit of course that's what what a counterfeit is it looks like the real thing and so 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 close to this me too stuff which i find so repellent because it's revenge driven it's just the mirror of the right it's just the mirror image of the thing that it's supposedly resolving um so that's not surprising but what's surprising is because I mean, all the women that I've been close to, including family, you know, mother, sister, close, family close, but also partner close. I've had like three main partners in my life, and only two that really, really was functional. Uh, but they've all been non-feminist, even anti-feminist, strong women in different ways. I mean, my mother wasn't exactly strong, but she had a lot of personality. <laughs> I mean, she was, a, she was. Uh, independent thinker and things like that she certainly wasn't a, a, a housewife is what i'm trying to say they were they were free spirits up to a point relatively um and in some cases very much so my, my wife and my previous partner so uh, so yeah so i've never had any um i mean on the contrary i've had encouragement even from women to to, to not to to, to honour the masculine and that they want strong men. That's the message I've been getting from women. They want strong men. Um almost in a traditional sense. So we'd have to go pretty far back and but in a way that an ordinary feminist or mo- most of the waves anyway uh, would consider macho, you know, would consider regressive and potentially macho bullshit if they heard that um so yeah it's a surprise to me to to feel that as i'm becoming that sort of strong and rooted and grounded it's a weird sound oh it's sticker um this is this is the impulse is to is to use the power that i've established i don't like the word power i guess it's been it's been blighted by postmodernism, but I can't think of another word for it. Um, to, but to use that, uh, it's even that confidence, authority. It's even a bit of status in it with the podcast. Anyway, to use that energy um, to support women. And if, if it became too thought out, it would become trite, of course. It's, it's, it's just good. It's a way to end the podcast. My idea for the podcast is, is to, and actually I can I can poach Luke, your, your podcast now if you're talking to women because uh, I, I, I want to find a number to talk to because I like to talk, like the, one I, the last podcast I did was me and two women. So it's a three, it was a threesome. And that, that pretty much guarantees that most of the speaking is by women and and it makes it much easier for me to take a back seat. I just not be the fly on the wall because I'm a pretty noisy fly, but closer to that, you know, a witness.
anyway and i think that's what luke was saying earlier that our relationships to the other sex mirror our internal relationship balance of our own um in a polarity which is an, a, a polarity it's an electrical system isn't it a positive negative uh so so it seems like i mean that that's the um that's the thing that's happening i think that can happen that i want to happen anyway i want, I want to, to allow for an imbalance um so yeah i've been i've been afraid for my whole life to i didn't want to defer to women a because i could see they didn't want that and b because i have that setting anyway was as a child of an angry mother who would uh who would do everything he could to please and placate the female i've got that drive we all do culturally we've got the hate kill rape slash dismember women program and we've got you know please placate be servile be submissive to women program and they feed each other um so i forgot what i was saying with that but you're not wanting to defer to women uh i forgot exactly what i said was but it's so it isn't it's not a, a deference because uh, that would feel unhealthy to me and, and fraught and it would backfire that's why it's a surprise to me because it on the surface it's it's it looks quite similar but there's a much more naturally joyous feeling of oh i can really give this un untarnished respect and loving attention to the, the female and, and hear her hear her roar <laughs> they may start roaring of course and you have to have all the space for that as well so, when well, me too got it backwards i think they started with the anger but we have to end with the anger start with the actually let's hear what women have to say that we need to hear not you're bad but don't be afraid that's that's what I felt was the first message that women have for men is don't be afraid of nature, don't be afraid of us, don't be afraid of the divine within you, all the things that men twisted around and turned into something frightening because we don't have the natural connection that they have. Um, because it can't be a reassuring motherly, don't be afraid. It's it's more of a strong stand. Don't be afraid. I mean, we can't. You can't. Um, we can't work together if you're afraid. Yeah, the energy that women often want from their the men who are their peers and the thing is it's different with mothers and sons to a certain extent although this can be there as well but with mothers and with mothers there's always that there's always that impulse to sort of 
you know, to protect and to smother. And there's always a bit of that. I mean, some in some cases, it sort of maybe isn't there due to um, trauma and, and and the rest of it. But in yeah, in most in most mums, there's some kind of element of that. It might come out in very weird and indirect ways. But um, in terms of just what women want from men generally, you you you're right, Jason. I think that it 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 does seem to be they want that strength and that groundedness and that rootedness and that that admonition to not be afraid is actually a it's an effort to pull up something from the male from the masculine pull the masculine out of itself out of its shell you know um uh you know the 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 hiding the hiding masculine um and the the you know the the explorations i've been doing i've been following a lot of uh different sources of input and information coming from different areas of the you know, I'm not going to use the terrible term manosphere, but the uh, the sort of the those who are those who are focused on uh, you know male issues and masculinity, um, and the 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 healthy end of it is very much about that. There's this sort of caricature in the mainstream media of you know, the angry incels and the, you know, sleazy pickup artists and the, um, you know, the sort of just hateful misogynists who just want to blow everything up and kill everyone or whatever. And actually, uh, that from what I've seen, the the impulse is very much to, to actually to Im- refine from the, from the, you know, the more healthy sources I've seen is to refine ourselves in our masculinity uh, to actually be of better service to those around us you know including men and women and children and you know i would extend that to the other living beings and other beings generally that we share the planet with um with the the sort of sense of yeah that that difference that subtle difference you're talking about there jason of it's not deference it's the difference between deference and acknowledgement and respect i think because you know it's it's an acknowledgement and respect of of the feminine to go and to recognize that, that, that these women have something really important to say and to add and you're, you're just giving a space for that and that that's uh that feels like a very um appropriate thing to do right now uh you know there's there are spaces in which i think that the same could be could be done more so for men in certain situations as well um but uh, there is something there's something wholesome about that uh, the mutual exchange of you know of of respect
Right, occurs to me that we're maybe touching on, a, on a, another aspect of sex. If we if we take sex out out of the realm of procreation or you know mingling of genitals and into a creative interaction between the sexes, very politically incorrect, then um, then conversations between men and women that are truly creative and are truly um, well interactive, but in the sense of what, what I feel we've seen on these affinity groups, what and what is central to their potential and, and their actual, you know, what happens is that uh, souls bring things out of other souls by being in close proximity, just like, uh, well, <laughs> a physicist just arrived here, but I'm sure there's a good model here in terms of there's atoms and spin, for example, but thinking more of, anyway, that you know, there's a certain magnetism and that draws out energies from both the, the uh, different qualities from the two poles that are close enough for the magnetism to, to be activated. Um, so how much more is that the case? Rather ironic for, to say this on a men's group, if it's men and women who are magnetizing each other and drawing things out of their deeper, deeper recesses. There are things that we as men can draw out of women and vice versa that it doesn't happen otherwise. Just as uh, you know, procreation can't happen without both sexes, or if it can, it's well, it's a technocratic uh, innovation that I'm not personally too too confident about its naturalness. So I think that's close to what I'm. What I'm seeing is that, and for whatever reason, I, I, you know, out of 300 almost liminalists, tiny percentage have been with women. And because I haven't made an effort to counter that, I'm not going to tire enough work just doing it every week without trying to be, you know, gender neutral or whatever, or balanced. So there's been little flourishes here in their spurts when I talked to lots of women and then it was back to men. Um, so for whatever reason, yeah, I, I was just naturally attracting men and attracted to men when it came to conversations. And uh, and yeah, there is something that can happen creatively between a man and a woman conversationally, they think it can't happen between two men or two women. That was the TLDR version of everything I just said. But I think it speaks to the fact that there are things that women can, can show us that we can't learn elsewhere. Wow, that's a humbling statement. But of course, anyone who's had a partner knows that we really have to not like it's not mutual but I think it's harder for a man I mean culturally for thousands of years we've been programmed trauma traumatically programmed and conditioned to believe that we're supposed to be the one in charge making the decisions and, and teaching and you know in the, in the authority position 
and that if we just sit and listen to our partners and you know put them in that position then somehow we're it's a position of weakness Part of the um, enjoyment of the of this group is connecting at a really connecting very strongly and and deeply and and I find with most interactions with guys in day to day life it's very surface level. There's no depth at all, and there's almost a uh, this could be a I was going to say it could be an Australian thing, but it's probably everywhere. But 
because of that cultural imprint, it's like you got to keep it at the surface. Don't get into depth. Like guys don't guys don't do deep and meaningful. And um, and so with with the involvement of women, you can you can go into conversations that are. It's like it's a natural thing. Deep and meaningful is the only way. And I don't, I'm not, don't want to be archetypal again, but or, or don't want to. It's not always the case, but I find when I when I um, if my wife has friends around and I listen to the way that they communicate, it's it's very different to the way guys talk. Generally, the topics that it covers and the depths and the um and just the the directions that the conversations can flow. Um, so I think not that I, I mean I, I think uh, Jason with with podcast to me it, it makes perfect sense I think it's a it's a it's a it's an untapped uh, not gold mine but it, it, there, there's so much that could come out of this it's quite interesting like you just don't know what the potential is what it could what it could be and what it could lead to um uh yeah so that's all i was going to say i think you've helped me understand hugo why you're willing to get up in the middle of the night for for this humble little men's group because i've been constantly impressed by that yeah it's funny i think i, I do think the same way but it's it is it's just it, there's a there's um something nourishing about it even though i mean it's getting a bit harder now that it's getting cooler um uh but there there's just something about the connection um and it doesn't feel like a when it doesn't feel like an obligation it's easy to do um it feels um and and i've said it before there's something about this hour of the night where you can't intellectualize too much because you just there's just no energy for it so you just tend to just slip straight into the body and um and if i try and think too much it's like my brain conks out and i run out of energy that's why i lose the thread so often when i talk but um yeah, but it's it's nice. It's really nice to connect this way as men. I remember I had a a conversation with um, a wife of a friend of mine, and he's an old school friend of mine, and we we had a there was a catch up with a bunch of old school buddies, and she was she just hit the nail on the head. She just goes, "You guys just it's like we were, we had retreated back to this teenage identity. <laughs> Everyone was just carrying on and." bragging and everything else and, and when again you step back and observed it it was quite um uh it was interesting to see and the few times that i did try to con to take a conversation deeper with guys it would be like oh i just gotta go get a drink like there was always something that there was just a not not willing to go there so it's um i think it's unique to have uh, I mean, I I know there are other 
uh, friends of mine that are involved with men's groups. And I, have, I haven't participated with them, but they also get a lot of nourishment out of uh, connecting with men and taking deliberate, deliberately taking it to a deeper level of connection so that it's not surface, surface stuff um, or, or highly intellectual stuff. Until you said that last thing, I was going to say, well, I've never had that problem in the sense I've never felt I was hanging out with men doing superficial stuff. Um, generally never hanging out with men. I just imagine there's at least one person here who has that experience, just, you know, it's not into sports and not into one night stands and just generally not not a guy's guy and as far from it as possible. So I was a, always had one-to-one or -one, very small circle of men friends and it, it was always deep, but it was always quite intellectual. So I think that that is something that the ages in general are, quite effective for neutralizing and um, develop, developing you know, openness and vulnerability in general and then in a space with other men that does I mean Simon Jay made that joke about it doesn't feel like it's going to be attacked if there's a female psyche around paraphrasing I'm, I'm not sure where the joke came from but it it made sense to me as a joke because I think that I do feel that way actually if there's a female psyche around I do feel partially on guard I could get attacked at any moment you know to different degrees there are certain kinds of female psyches that more closely resemble my mother's therefore I'm more on edge but anyway, the point being that it's easier to be unguarded with men if if we override that the cultural program, which is men, you know, just they don't show themselves to each other. And I suppose that's a fear, a competitive thing. Uh, and there's just occurring, I mean, when men are together as men, generally speaking, you see the sport, which is competitive, war, which is very competitive, or, you know, uh, what you call it, so I've lost the lingo, but, you know, looking to get laid. To go out in bands, you know, whoring, I suppose. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be whores, it could be one night stands, but on the prowl like that, men being men, that's also competitive. Which comes back to Martin's comment about the counterfeit. I think it's a counterfeit experience. Uh, it's um, it's like it, it's a it's like a raw connection, but it's there's not a lot of. It's not to say it's. It's not to say it's without feeling because those those sort of. Uh, 
I mean, it's been a while since I've been to a. But even like going to a, going to a concert, for example, would be another uh, a similar sort of vibe when you're in a really big group of people and there's that really intense energy. So I'm just thinking about your com- your comment about sport, for example. There's that. I think it's it's again it's that feeling that you need you need to you need those sort of experiences or the or it's like that when you don't have that um what i call it uh intimate sustained intimacy if that's not there then you're going to be looking for those peak experiences and then you're going to have your withdrawals and then you're going to be peaking as opposed to just that constant interaction um Yeah. Struck me just as you were talking, yeah, Hugo and Jason, one of the things that one of the ways I could um, metaphorically describe my experience of this group is something like a hunting band. If we're stalking for there's a really really cliche word to use but truth or truthful truthful expression and so there is something very primarily archetypally masculine about that but it's in a very different way to uh something like a sports team um which you know there's you know there's also the the physically grounded embodied aspect of being in a sports team too which being in a zoom meeting uh, can't meet that but there's you know there's you know there's place for everything really Um, I was also reminded of uh, something my dad told me about the the Maasai and how they view competition. Um, and the Maasai, you know, pretty fierce warrior tribe. You know, to initiation to become a man is you go out and kill a lion with a spear. And, you know, have to make war on other tribes, but within themselves they don't have the same attitude towards competition that that we we do in in our culture so the this maasai went to south africa and was um participating in um javelin javelin throwing or something like that some 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 athletic pursuit that was uh it probably was javelin is something very familiar to him uh, as a maasai um and he didn't understand why those around him were trying to win against the others. It didn't make any sense to him. He said, when, when the Maasai have their spear throwing contests, they're competing with each other rather than against each other. So they're competing so that, you know, so that everyone does the best that they can 
so the whole tribe just gets better so the you know the best spear thrower is you know getting those bullseyes for everyone um which is quite surprising that, that you know a warrior tribe but they don't have the same idea of that individualistic competition they might have that in terms of wartime with the other tribes but at peace when it's a game it's like no you you're doing the best you me me doing the best i can means that you're doing the best i can which means that we're all kind of in it together um which struck me as a a very different and yeah healthier way to to approach that seems much closer to reality doesn't it so the hunting and even with war a band of hunters they're going to share the kill anyway so of course they want to work together and they're not going to whatever i mean maybe the one who catches the biggest thing gets an extra you know hunk on his plate but essentially it's it's a group effort and and also with war uh warring another tribe the main thing is you you win the battle not who kills the most you know enemies so yeah the whole thing of This came up recently. I'm listening to a Steiner audio that um, that doing good is and serving existence. The point is, is the result, not the credit. So if you if you do if you bring something into the world that enhances existence, that's the reason for joy. Not that you can say hey, look at me, I did that. See that thing over there? That was me. Well, what's the point in that? The point was the thing that is enhancing the thing. So if you're busy trying to distract people away from the good that you've done so that they'll tell you how good you are, that's pretty messed up, really. Plus, you haven't moved on to the next good thing. Just, you know, you're hanging on to your past laurels. So all that seems quite natural and logical and, and, and we talk about it like this, but we're in a culture where that's just anathema. It's all about getting credit. That, that becomes our motivation even. So I think we've, in a certain sense we've gone very far away from something, but in another sense it's very close because we were probably like that for so much longer than we've been like this, but like the tribal band that is aware of being part of a larger energy field that has its purpose and its mission, and that's that's the that's the only thing that matters is completing the mission, not who who does well in a certain sense who does what because you want to work together, but not who who deserves more credit at the end or, or anyone I mean, there is no credit it's just we did it good and even then it's okay what's next 
done that so now we've we don't have to hunt again for another week or we don't have to fight off the tribe for another couple of years or whatever it is so that that fits with what we're here to do as men is rediscover that fundamental truth of existence hunt it down we we claim it There's a, um, there's a sense in that too, story of Luke's too, which I like. Um, one of the things I heard on one of Dave's, I think one of Dave's recent events was he was describing how people who believe themselves, I mean, I'm using my own words here, people who think they're bad are always apologizing and saying sorry and and uh, all that kind of stuff. I'm just trying to think. And, and, and I was just thinking about Luke's story there of in that situation, no one's really, um, when, when there's no competition um, and a shared, there's a shared purpose, it's kind of like, it's the, um, there's almost no room for badness, right? It's like you, you're all together, and it, and it doesn't matter how insignificant the role is. That like even even if you just went along carrying a spear for someone who's a better spear thrower or something like that, right? there's in in today's culture, it'd be like, oh, well, you're 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 rubbish at throwing spears, or whatever it might. I mean, I'm, this is probably not the most appropriate example, but there's that there's that real sense of Am I good enough? Good, bad, um, and it was um, it was touched on earlier. I think when Jason was talking about um, the male and the female, and and within society and the Me Too movement, and how uh, there's a there's a real pushback against very male like the violent misogynist sort of male but what's interesting not that i'd be do, do a lot of reading into it but there seems to be a special place in hell for men that say oh well, not all men are bad <laughs> and and they would be they would be the guys i think that they're coming from that space of they're feeling a bit bad and they it's like oh we're not all bad and they're from that sort of um, they're coming from that space of believing that they are bad, and they're, they're they're wanting justification or someone to say, "Oh no, you're not, you're not, you're not bad at all." Um, and so, looping that back around, it's it's almost the the, the more, and I think uh, Dave put it on his email about exploring what is goodness, um, and I think. I think the more established we are in that goodness, um, you, you, the more natural you become. You don't, you're not having to explain or say sorry or apologise or seek, you know, not to offend or whatever. It's you, you're coming. People just will pick up that you're coming from that space, as opposed to a instead of picking up on this belief that you're bad in some way. 
Um, so yeah, it, it's it's interesting. Uh, I I talk to my son about it a lot. In when when we sort of we talk through his day at school over dinner, and um, it we sort of explore the same way because he's uh, he's autistic. We've had to sort of. I mean, he's picked it up himself amazingly well, but it's we we sort of had to. He, he did go through a phase where he sort of. I think there's a phase where he recognised that he was different to everyone else, and so it was just it was a similar sort of message. It was just like, you know, it's it's okay not to be sporty and it's okay not to be, blah blah blah. We just encourage him to keep doing what what he enjoyed, and just and just by sort of reinforcing that it's not good or bad or, or otherwise there's just there's room for lots of different expressions and everything else so um yeah it's been it's been really nice to see him sort of well, flourishing now it's just it's just amazing how um how positive he is about it that's great Yeah.